Listen, we're continuing this sermon series. We just had a powerful time last week where God really just did some work in people's lives. And, and we're continuing this series called Silent Nights. And we know that this is the, the most wonderful time of the year. The song says it. But many people are dealing with silent nights where they're dealing with the pain of something. This doesn't always bring a joyous season for some. And so the Lord just laid on our heart to really just deal with some things in the month of December. Of course, Christmas Eve, we're going to light a candle. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2. We're going to do the Christmas things. But I just felt the Spirit of God just leading us as we get to Christmas Eve just to deal with just giving God the opportunity just to heal some places and some hearts for people that are dealing with some silent nights. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Romans, the fifth chapter, and then we're going to end up in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And uh, we're continuing this talk, and God just did some incredible things last week. And, and I want to just talk to you about something that, I, that is really uh, really hits home with me personally, and I believe that it's going to be hit, hit home with you as well. But reading from Romans the fifth chapter I want to read three verses to you it says this and we rejoice in verse two and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God not only so but we also rejoice in our sufferings we rejoice in the hope and we rejoice in the sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint us Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. I want to speak to you today on the silent nights continuing talking about this with a subtitle called When God Says No. When God Says no. Let's pray over this. Father, thank you so much for this great day. Thank you for my wonderful family here. God, I thank you that you're just going to move for the next few moments. Uh, just speak to my heart. And as you are, uh, you have something very strategic planned for us today. And I pray, God, that your spirit would just use me and, and use this opportunity to touch people that are dealing with some no's in their life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready. C.S. Lewis has a quote that says this. We are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. We are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We're just wondering how painful the best will will turn out to be the painful best. Boy, it sure feels like an oxymoron to say the painful best. It don't seem right that if we love God and we're following God, we should be able to escape and to sidestep the painful best. And and it's interesting that C.S. Lewis has this quote because there's no greater painful best than when God says no. And you've been through it, and maybe you've been for the best, but, but, but it was painful. You know that there was a best that came to your life, but it, it didn't feel like a mountaintop to mountaintop experience. It was a painful journey. And, and you know it was, it was protected 
correcting you and it was helping you grow spiritually and it was teaching you. But man, it was painful. It was painful. It was painful because God, you said that you would do it. A lot of times we struggle with the painful best seasons of our life. It's because we believe that God will do it. And we always have our faith engaged that God will turn it around. And God's going to make it happen for me. God's going to give me the desires of our heart. And we, we even read in the word where David says in Psalms 37, he goes, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart he also says commit your way to the lord trust him and he will act he even said in in psalms 20 he says may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans and then it says in john he goes if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you and it's like those encouraging scriptures give us life they help us when we're stuck in seasons of our life. They give us the hope that, listen, it's going to turn around for me. They give us the, 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 the hope that God is about to step on the scene, that God's about to turn some stuff around. But there are some seasons in our life where God is just going to say no. And it causes this problem within our hearts oftentimes because we don't know how to respond when God says no, because if we're truthful, sometimes we don't want God to be our father. We want him to be our Santa Claus. We want him to be our God Claus. We just want to be able to just to climb up in in daddy God's lap and just say, God, I want this. I want this. I want this. And I want this. And we want him just to go. You bet you just be a good little boy and you be a good little girl. And I'm going to bring you everything you need in this season of your life. And, And we want that type of daddy. We want that type of father. But here's the thing. Good fathers don't always say yes. Good fathers don't always say yes. I'm a proud father. I'm proud of my daughters. My my oldest daughter, Hannah, is a nurse, and she's finished nursing school earlier this year, and she's killing it. She's an oncology nurse and just making a difference, and I'm so proud of her. You can clap. You can clap. You can clap. I heard it. I heard it. And Kaylee, she's graduating a year earlier. She went into college as a sophomore, and she's finishing her degree in three years. I'm proud. I'm proud. I am a proud father, but let me say, they're beautiful, they're smart, they're everything that I could ever want. I was everything that I ever dreamed. If I was going to have to raise girls, I wanted my girls to turn out just like my girls have turned out. I'm proud of them. But you know what? Them on this journey of being who God has created them to be and the success that they're finding in their life, it didn't happen because I said yes all the time. There was sometimes I had to be daddy. And I had said, no, you ain't going. You ain't going. I'm sorry. I ain't feeling good in my heart about this one. You ain't going. No, you need to be home by this time. No, you need to do this. Sometimes we have to understand that, that our Father, our Heavenly Father, He is telling us no to protect us from something that we don't even see in our lives. And, and we struggle. I, I don't know about you. I can't, maybe I'm preaching to myself today. But we struggle with this because we want God to say, yes, we deserve it. We serve in the church. 
We've been a Christian for a long time. We, we have our serve team t-shirt that we wear every week. We set up in the parking lot. We, we play the music. We're the DJ at the church. We, we work with the kids in the nursery and the youth and we do all of these things. Surely God would say yes to me. And I know how to react when God says yes. You ain't got to just tell me how to react when God says yes. You don't have to tell me because when he blesses me, I know what to do. I know how to throw up one hand in the air and the other hand in the air and say, thank you, Jesus. I know how to give God praise when he's done something. I know how to give God praise when he says yes to me. I, you don't have to tell me what to do. It just is automatic. When he provides to me, provides for me, I know what to do. When he answers that prayer, don't worry. You can just get out of the way. I will shout by myself. I don't even need you to teach me. I know how to respond when God says yes. But the question for us today is how are we responding when God says no? How are we responding when he says uh-uh, you ain't doing that. How are we responding? Do we want God to be the Santa Claus? Well, he's just trying to just give us blessings, give us blessings, give us blessings. Or do we want a father that sees down the road of our life? And when we were just a baby Christian, and maybe you're here and you're a baby Christian, and he sees what you're going to be 10 years down the road, and he sees what you're going to be 20 years down the road, and he'll say no in this season so you can open up to something that you can't even see or wrap your mind around in a later season. It only happens because God says no. I know what to do when the yeses come. But what happens when you've prayed and you put petition God to open up doors and it just feels like all you feel is the breeze of another door that is shutting right in your face what happens when you you never get pregnant with your own child after you've prayed and cried and begged for years that God would give you a child what happens when you pray for that person to be saved and healed mentally but instead they took their own life does that mean your prayers didn't work no it just means it didn't work out. God said no. What happens when you've prayed and you've laid hands on that son and that daughter and those children? And every week you stood in the gap, you, you wrote down prayer requests, you put them under their, pillow, under their pillow at night, you did everything you could, and it seems like your children are getting further and further away from God and more into addiction every day more into drugs, more into alcohol. What happens when it seems like you're losing time? And it's like, God, I just need you to say yes to this. And I'm frustrated because I don't understand what I need to do. I don't understand what else I need to pray. I don't understand how much I need to serve. I don't understand how much I need to read. How many more scriptures do I need to hang on the wall and declare for you to say yes? But God seems to keep saying no. What happens when you have to close that casket lid and you're sitting there and you prayed and you cried, you anointed them with oil that God would heal them. And for some reason, God chooses to take them instead of heal them. It's quiet in here because this is the stuff we don't want to talk about. We don't want to talk about this stuff 
because it's hard for us to talk about this, but I'm in a room full of people and watching at home that you know what it's like to have that broken heart from a no from God. You know what it's like when you have, have prayed and cried and you're just saying, God, I need you to turn it around. You know what it's like when you say, objection, God, objection. And you want him to sustain that objection. You want him to sustain it, but he says, overruled. you got to go down this path. You know what it's like when you're wanting God to say, God, you don't understand. I need this to happen for me. But instead, God overrules it and says, no, i got to keep you on this journey. It's not no right. It's not yes right now. It's still a no. But there's something about a mature Christian. It's something that we as believers have to continue to mature in the ways of the Lord. So that will teach us how to respond when God says no. That teaches us how we can exist and still have true joy when God says no. The Apostle Paul teaches us a lot around this. If you really ever just see the thread of Paul's teaching, he's teaching us how to deal with the sufferings of life. He's teaching us, and we read the scripture where it says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. It's crazy. It's, it takes everything in us to try to compute that into our mind and our spirits. It's hard for us to know. Rejoice in hope. God's no is not to lose heart. It's to produce hope. God's no is not to deflate us and to go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But it is to prop us up in hope. Hope is an interesting thing for a believer. We say it. We have churches named. I, I go to a coffee house called Hope Coffee. I love Hope Coffee. I'm there all the time. There's the word hope is something that is thrown around a lot. But if you really lean into what Paul's writings are when it comes to hope, and if you're faced with a no in your life, we'll learn some things in the Bible today. Because it says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character and hope. And then it says this, and hope does not disappoint us. So we understand that life disappoints us. We understand that there are seasons that disappoint us. We understand that there are no's that disappoint us. We understand there are things that disappoint us. But when God says no, this is what we need to know. Hope is stored in the reserved places of our heart. You've got to build hope daily in your life. You've got to be intentional with hope daily in your life. So when you go through a season where God says no, it won't put you on your face. You can still wake up, says, well, God said no again today. That's all right. I got hope inside of me. And Paul's teaching us, he said, listen, you've got to see the importance of hope in your life. How many times we use the word, I hope so? Somebody says, you know what? You keep it up, Maurice. You keep it up, man. God's going to provide for you. God's going to do it for you. The prayers that you prayed, God hears you. And you know what our natural reaction is? Is this, head down. I hope so. You know, I, I hope so. But as a believer, that's not our posture. It's not, I hope so. We don't walk around life with a, 
I hope so. We walk, we walk around life switching the words around and we lift our head and we go, so I hope something comes in. The enemy comes in like a flood. So I hope it didn't seem like that. I got that loan when I was believing for it. So I hope it it, it seemed like that my kids are getting further and further away from God. So what? I still hope because I am not. I refuse to allow the nose. And it seemed like that I keep hitting a brick wall. I refuse for it to drain the hope out of my spirit. Ain't getting no amens in here. Because y'all just want to we just want to crawl up on Santa Claus's lap. We just want to crawl up in Father Claus's lap and say, I just need you to do it for me. I don't want to work for it. I don't want to be developed into it. I just want it to happen for me. And so we find ourselves dragging through life with the, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. So we have, a deten- we have a, a, an intentional approach that says, listen, I'm going to hope regardless of what I go through. I'm still going to hang on to hope. I hope isn't designed to be our last ditch effort. Hope is what drives us when God says no. Hope is what drives us when life is rough and tough. Hope is what keeps us from losing our heart. It was, it was, it was David that says in Psalm, he goes, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. He says, I would have lost everything unless I had hope, unless I believe, I believe I will see. You have to stand in the middle of of the door that just slammed in your face and you gotta go, it doesn't matter. It can slam in my face. I still believe that I'm gonna see the goodness of the Lord. You can be saying, listen, I know that I've got the doctor's report. It doesn't matter. My hope isn't built in a doctor's report. I still believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. You've got to make up your mind that I'm going to keep hoping even though I'm disappointed. Woo, I'm preaching really, 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 really good today. And maybe it's just for me. You ain't got to clap. I'll clap for me because I understand what I struggle with. I know me. I know me. And I find myself allowing circumstances to determine my level of hope in my life. But I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord because hope is an emotion. Hope is a place. It's a place. It's a place you put your feet down and says, I believe in a place called hope. I sang a song years ago. I mean, I was like years ago. He said this. I believe in a place called hope, a place where perfect peace for every heart and soul, where every broken spirit will then be made whole. Because I believe in a place called hope. You've got to go. I'm not waiting on the emotion of hope. If I wait to just to feel like I got hope, then I've missed hope. But hope is where I, I plug myself into the ground and go, it doesn't matter. Shut the door in my face and watch me keep hoping. Shut the door in my face. Woo, it's for me today. Shut the door in my face and watch me just still believing and declaring and speaking and, and praying. And I, it, the, the lack of, of God saying yes isn't going to put me on my back. And we rejoice 
in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I was like, okay. You're like, okay, Kelly, I can handle rejoicing the hope. Okay. 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 I got you. I can rejoice in the hope. But you tell me I got to rejoice in the sufferings? Oh, no. No, 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 no. You, you can't ask me to rejoice in the sufferings. I mean, I can muster up some hope. But you can't ask me to sit here in the middle of re- being happy, joy, rejoicing, joy, finding joy in my sufferings. Because here's the thing you got to know. God's no isn't punishment for you. It's preparation for you. And I believe that it's God that will open up doors to simply to say, how are you dealing with the suffering you're going through? You must invest in your faith during the yes seasons of your life so you won't lose faith in the no seasons of your life. So you've got to invest. I'm going through some sufferings. That's all right. The sufferings aren't going to determine my joy. Sometimes you've got to fake it till you make it. Sometimes you got to say, I bless the Lord anyway. I ain't feeling it. I may go through some suffering, but let me tell you what. You ain't going to see no sufferings from here to here to here to here. I'm going to make sure my countenance looks like I'm an overcomer. I'm going to make sure that my countenance looks like God's about to do it for me. I'm going to make sure my countenance is not going to be a no from God. I'm going to be, begin to practice my praise even in advance that God's going to say yes to this situation. Ooh, I ain't going to start. No, you ain't going to see suffering on me. Not in public. Holly may see some suffering. But I'm going to work real hard for y'all not to see it. Because rejoicing and suffering are not opposites of each other. So we think, I'm in a season of rejoicing. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's hard. God said, no, rejoicing is gone, and now I'm in a season of suffering. Rejoicing and suffering is like Siamese twins. They're like Siamese twins. And, and you, you learn to live your life with both of these things attached to you. And you learn how to live with life. When you go through some sufferings, you're like, I ain't, I ain't giving up on rejoicing because it's coming. It's going to come back. I'm not, I'm not, no. You learn how to, to adjust a life with these two parts of your life. This is what Paul's teaching us. He goes, you got to learn how to find hope in the sufferings, and you got to learn how to find hope in, in, in the joy. You've got to make sure that you are navigating the two things that's connected to you. And a lot of times our highs are really high and our lows are really low because we're trying to cut off one part of it and go, oh, I'm not suffering anymore. Go far away like we don't think suffering ain't going to come back around one day. I'm not getting no amens today. I'm not getting no amens today. Okay, I just, just, just went into an old school vibe there. You have to learn 
to make it work. You got to learn as we are maturing as believers that I'm not defined by how joyful I am today. And I'm not defined by how much I feel like I'm suffering in this season. And we learn how to navigate those things. I wanted to have a conversation today. I wanted to have a conversation, and I said all that to set up this conversation. God's been good to me. We all have stories, and I want you to hear a story today. Sister Pam Asbury has been a part of our church for many years. And if there's anyone that I have seen, and I've wanted to do this, that has walked this road of rejoicing and sufferings, it's Miss Pam Asbury. I want you to come up here, lady. I just want to talk to you. We're going to just stop right here, and I want to just talk to you. Because it's easy to preach it. it it's easy to preach it, Sister Pam. Just have a seat. We're going to have a conversation. It's easy to preach it. And, and, and all the preachers out there know we know how to preach it. Amen. We, we, we know how to preach it. But it's another thing when you've lived it. Now, I know if you, Miss Sister Pam has been a part of our church for how many years? Just About almost 14 years. 14 years. And Sister Pam would come with the carload of family, Amen. her husband Jerry, her daughter Jay. And, and both of them are no longer, they're in heaven now. Amen. And I've watched Sister Pam go through this journey of God saying no. With such grace and dignity. And like I said, I can preach the sermon, but I want you to, to show us and to, and to help us determine how do you get through this? How do you get through this without bitterness? How do you get through this without the stuff that you're going through? So it's a little bit of the history of, of Jay and Jerry and your other son and just kind of give a little backstory. All right. Thank you, Pastor Kelly. Um, my husband and I were blessed to have three children. Two of them were born with sickle cell disease. My oldest son passed away when he was 16 years old. He had his first sickle cell disease when he, uh, sickle cell crisis when he was three weeks old, which was uncommon because at that age, babies normally still have the fetal hemoglobin. I had this baby that cried. He cried if I fed him, he cried if I touched him. He just cried all the time. So one day I told Brother Asbury, I said, when you go to work, take me to my mama's. Because my mama was a saved, sanctified, praying woman. And we, I grew up in the, whole, in the Kojic church, y'all. Saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I believed in the power of prayer. I took my baby to my mother. We anointed him. She anointed him from his head to his toes, and we prayed. He was three weeks old at that time. And that's when we found out that he had sickle cell disease. Through the course of his life, I prayed, and I asked God, and I believed God. I'm like, God, heal my baby. God, touch my baby. Every time he gets sick and you got to sit by that crib, there's nothing you can do for him. I cried. I struggled, but I kept my faith because I believe that God is a healer. I've seen him heal too many people, so I believe, God, that you're going to heal my baby. God had a different plan. I continue to believe. I continue to ask God to heal my baby. Well, in February um, 1990, my son went into a coma, and I got a call. He was in the hospital, and they said somebody needs to come. He's taking a turn for the worst. 
I get to the hospital. The doctor that had been treating him all of his life met me in the hallway, and he said, Mom, if God doesn't work a miracle, our boy won't make it through this one. But I still believe God's job. The saints camped out in the waiting room, and we prayed, and we fasted, and we sought the Lord. They told me that he was in a coma, and he was probably he was brain dead. But I want y'all to know that was on a Tuesday. And on Thursday, my boy opened his eyes. He opened his eyes, and he was looking around, and he was trying to pull out the tubes. He was trying to talk. And I called my mom because I was so excited. I'm like, Mom. Roderick opened his eyes today, and he was looking around, and, and you'd have to know my mother. My mother says, that's good, but people usually get better before they die. That was my mother. I was so upset with her. I called my sister. I'm never talking to your mother again. <laughs> I'm done with her because I was all built up with my hope, and I knew that God was going to heal him, and, and that's what I knew. And that Thursday evening, he had a heart attack. They called us in and they said, now he's had a heart attack. Only half of his heart is pumping blood, but I still trusted God because God works miracles. Yeah. Brother Asbury and I were camped out at the hospital that night. About 10 o'clock, we put our beds down. They called for us to come to the family room. We go to the family room and the doctor tells us, she says, now he's probably not going to make it through the night. You can go and stay with him, you know, until he dies. I couldn't. I couldn't go watch him go. But his dad did sit with him till he transitioned on to glory. Saints, I'm saved. I've been saved a long time. At that time, I was saved. I was sanctified and had the testimony. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. But mm, that was a silent night for me. Yeah. Yeah. I prayed every night. I had a ritual. I prayed every night. But my prayers began to be God-bashing sessions. Come on, come on. Yeah. I was come mad on. at God. Yeah. Mm, how could you be such a loving father and you take my only son? Yeah. He, I didn't have but that one. And you took my only son. Every night I'm praying and I'm, I'm upset with God. Now, I'm like Pastor Kelly at church. People didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I had a smile on my face, but I had a pain in my heart. One night I was praying and bashing God, and I'm just giving him the blues. I said, you took my only son. And God, let me tell y'all something. God has an audible voice because I heard it. And what the Spirit, what the Lord said to me is, I gave my only son. Was yours any greater? I opened my eyes, yeah, and I yeah. looked around, and I'm like, who is Oh, my God. Wow. Then wow. I began to repent. I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me for not, forgive me for not giving you glory in this because he was my only son and you took him. Yeah, yeah. But he's not suffering anymore. And then the Lord said to me, he said, I answered your prayer. Yeah. I answered your prayer. What prayer? He said, you asked me to heal him. 
It ain't no sickness in heaven. My boy ain't sick no more. Yeah, he ain't have to yeah. have another blood transfusion. He didn't have to be sick anymore. I magnify God. My healing came when I began to give God glory for what he gave me. He gave me 16 years. He could have just given yeah. me the three years. He could have just given me the three months, but he gave me 16 years. 16 years, my son was a loving kid. He loved to hug and kiss. I got 16 years of hugs and kisses that I can hold on to for the rest of his life. But what I didn't realize is that God was setting me up, Pastor Kelly. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to jump in because later later on, your your other daughter, Jay, and we and miss Jay and, and Jerry. So, and, and you're recently, your sister, uh, was it two, three years ago? Three years ago. Three years ago. And, and so there's been this amount of loss. And again, I'm, we, we know that you've prayed uh, how do you keep? How do you keep from getting bitter? I mean, because I mean, I don't know. I may not be as saved as you, but I just feel like that if I had, if I faced all of these doors shutting and all of these God saying no moments, I, I can't say that I wouldn't be bitter. How how did you? And I know it's probably different for everybody, but mm-hmm. just how do you keep from getting bitter toward God uh, in those situations? Because I mean, I don't know if I just throw up my hands and say, "I'm out, God." It's a journey. It's a journey. And every situation is different. So when my husband died, when Jerry died, I was so hurt because I left him at the hospital. They gave me, he was transferred to Methodist Hospital. They gave me his room number. I get to Methodist Hospital. I go to room uh, in the Shankel building. I'll never forget it. Room 4022. And I walk into the room, and it's an empty room. So I went to the nurse's station. I said, my husband is supposed to be in room 4022. There's nobody there. They said, well, let me get the charge nurse. So the charge nurse comes, and she takes me on the elevator, and she takes me down to the family room. Before I go in, I said, oh, mm -mm. I already know what this is. You don't take the survivors. I already know what this is. I don't know what happened, but I already know that he's gone. When I get to the morgue, we get down to the morgue, and when I walked in the morgue, Pastor Kelly was standing at the foot of uh, Brother Asbury's gurney. But I looked at him laying there, and there was such a peace on his face. My daughter-in-law was praying. She's like, who's going to pray that God's going to bring him back? I said, stop. Mm, I remember that. Yeah. I said, stop. Get out of here. Go. Go. Who wants to come back to suffer? He's gone. He lived his life to get the reward and he's gotten his reward. Why would we want him to come back? No, you go, you go. Look at the countenance on his face. He just looked like he was asleep. So it's a different, it's a, it's each death is different. Now I dealt well with brother Asbury's death. I didn't deal so well with Jay's death and I didn't know. And it's good to have people around you. And can I say this? To those, if you're suffering, if you're suffering loss, if you're going through, don't let anybody dictate how long it takes you to get through it. Because it's your pain. They don't know your pain. They don't know your suffering. They don't know when you go home and what you do. Right. You take that thing to God and he'll, he will take care of it in his time. But you got to stay in the process because I was saved. I was sanctified. I was holy. I had some silent holy nights. Mm-hmm. 
I had some nights where I had to cry and I had to pray and ask God. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't see the daylight. But I know this. Every place that there is darkness, there is light somewhere. It may yeah. be dark over here, but it's light over there. When it's dark in the U.S., it's light overseas. Yeah. So every place there's darkness, there is light. That's good. You got to keep good. walking towards the light. Now, when Jay died and Jay was my baby, she was my spoiled baby. My sister used to say she was my rotten kid. She was my rotten kid. But I love my rotten kid. I love my baby. When her daddy died, it was just the two of us in the house. And I remembered um, in 2005, my husband and my daughter were both in the hospital. They were in different hospitals. He was, at, um, he was down here at doctors in ICU, and she was at Methodist. And the day they called and said that they were discharging her, I picked her up. And I said, I'm going to take you to Faze, who's my sister-in-law, in Eau Claire. I picked her up, and when I got off work, I picked her up, and I were headed home, and we were riding down Ann Arbor towards Marcellus. And she said to me, the best thing God can do for me is not let me wake up one morning. Wow. I said, what are you talking about? I lost it. I'm driving down Marcellus. We're coming up to the light, and she yells at me, are you going to stop? Well, you already messed me up. I mean, you <laughs> told me yeah. you don't want to wake up. But when she told me that, since I began to pray and I asked God, God fixed my heart. Yeah. God fixed my heart. I don't want to pray something that she doesn't want. And if she wants to be in glory, if she wants to be in peace, God fixed yeah. my heart. So I prayed from that day, God fixed my heart. The day Jay died, she was at her half-brother's house. He, he made her breakfast. He said she laid on his bed. And I called to tell him I'm coming to get her. About two minutes later, he calls back. He said, I can't wake her up. I said, Wayne, just shake her. Just shake her. He said, I, I am shaking her. I can't wake her up. Wow. When I got there and I saw her and I looked at her, I said, God answered your prayer. You went to sleep. She didn't struggle. She just didn't wake up on this side. But she woke up in glory. Yeah. So for that, I yeah. give God glory. Yeah, I, that's you good. Know, it, you know, it, it hurts. It, and it hurt me, and I didn't know that I was hurting when Jay died. But I'm thankful that I was surrounded by people who could see it. And I had a friend at work who told me, she said, you're not good. I said, I'm fine. She said, no, you're not good. She made me realize that sometimes, y'all, we are broken, and we need some help. So it's good to put up your facade, but you better, you better know when you need some help because... There's medicine. I have had times since then that I've been low. A, a few months ago, I had a really bad Sunday. I realized I got up that morning to put on a bracelet. I couldn't get it on. I, and I would have gone across the hallway and said, Jay, can you fasten my bracelet? Mm. It, took, it almost took me down. But I, in the, my, the voice, the Spirit of the Lord said, just get to the hospital. This is the hospital. This is the Saints Hospital. Yeah, yeah, I made good. my way to church that morning. Yeah. I made my way to church that morning. And yeah. when I came in, you know, I was frustrated and I gave, I, I made sure that I got into praise and worship because I knew Pastor Kelly. Yeah. That's where my deliverance is going to come right. from. So I got to give God glory for the situation that I'm in now because it ain't going to be like this always. Yep. It yep. won't be this way out. You won't be in darkness always. God's going to bring you to some light, but you got to stay in it. And it's a process. And don't let anybody define your process. 
You seek the master, seek the creator. He's the one who made you. He knows all about it. Man don't know. They just see the outward appearance. Yeah. But God sees your heart. So if you keep your heart pointed towards God, he'll deliver it. you. He'll bring you to a good end. That's what the word says. I made it all the way through those things. And then on the 8th of December, I got a call at 4 a.m. in the morning. My brother-in-law yelling, your sister, your sister. I said, what about my sister? Because it was always something. He said, I think she's dead. What do you mean? This is my baby sister. My baby sister was only 62 years old. She wasn't supposed to go. She was preparing. She was building a house out of Joe Pool Lake. She was in, lived in Maryland, and, but she was coming back home after Jay died. She said, I got to get back to you. She was building a new house, but God saw fit for her to go to another house. She didn't make the, yeah. She didn't get to live in that house at jo, on Joe Pool Lake. She had to go to live in that house to that mansion that God created in the yeah, sky. That's you know, and that's where we all want to go. Yeah. So every day is a day of thanksgiving. We all going to go through something, saints. Don't think that God has left you because you're going through something. That's right. He said that we would the, the, take my yoke up on you for my burdens are uh, easy and for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you're going to have some stuff up on you. But because you, you got your hand in God's hand, yeah. it's going to be a much lighter load for you to That's carry. Imagine good. if you don't have anything or anybody. That's why I say when I see people and you, you don't have a relationship with God, how do you make it? What yeah. do you do? So true. Where so do you true. go when you need help? You can't run to the rock. Where do you go? Yeah, you know, I, I think for you, it, I look at your story and it, I think it was just this consistency of just trusting God. Because as we read, it says that we know that suffering produces. So the suffering has an assignment. Amen. to produce it's his perseverance Amen. character Amen. and hope and so so we know that that there's a reason for the suffering it's never not a reason for the suffering Amen. there's never not a reason for when God says no it's not that he just is mean and he's mad and he's, he's you ain't saved he's, enough you've done too many bad things when you're a teenager or a young adult or it, it's nothing that's the enemy that is the enemy Amen. trying to disqualify Amen. you but but it's because of the consistency I believe of just you serving the Lord all these years it, what it does is it made it to where you were prepared to carry the load of of these incredible knows from God and you were able and you understood that the suffering is doesn't end here it actually is producing and, and anything that is produced is a process right. it goes through stages and it's, it's like right. this is a and then it's and then it all is to lead you lead me lead you to a place to where you can lift your head up off the pillow again you exactly. can get through it you can show up and you can it's because i see it's just because of this daily approach to going god i don't understand this i'm going from one hospital to the next i gotta get one checked out one's checking in i can't imagine the stress of that but all of that suffering has produced something uh in your life and it this is what i want we're gonna have an altar call in a minute but but i know there's specifically there's, there's a lot of no's that look exactly like your story. Mm -hmm. uh, Christmas time often will bring 
and a, just an incredible amount of loneliness because, because maybe God said no and, and you have a mother, a father, a, 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 a son and a daughter that is in heaven today and, and that you are feeling the weight of why. And somewhere in the process, she's, she's up here, looks beautiful, looks like she's got it all together. And some of you guys are maybe just in this process where you're in this producing process. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage you, and I want you to pray, if you're okay. I, didn't, I know that wasn't a part of our mm-hmm. notes, but uh, I wanted you to pray over those that are dealing with loss. Amen. That are dealing with the loneliness of loss. And, and I know I can comfortably ask you to do that. Because you, through the suffering, God has produced this level of perseverance in you. So just pray over them. And then I'm going to just kind of widen out the altar call to people that are dealing with some no's in their life. Go ahead and pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, most of all, we come with a bowed head and humble heart. God, we come most of all thanking you for the many blessings that you bestowed upon our life. Now, God, you see the people. You see their hearts. You see their minds. God, God, we call on you because we have no other hope. We call on you because we put our trust in you, Father. So for that broken heart, I pray right now, God, that you would touch them. Lift them up, God. Build them up where they're torn down. And God, just prop them up on every leaning side. Give them what they need until they can get to the light. Walk them through the process, God. I pray that you would... Touch their minds, body, and spirits so that they don't become disillusioned in the things that this thing called life. Let them know, God, that you're in it and you're in it for them to win it. God, I pray that you would continue to encourage your people. I don't know the need, but Father, you made them and you know all about them. And I pray, God, right now that you would touch, heal, deliver, and restore as you can do and as only you can do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for Sister Asbury. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, I, I want to just kind of stay in this flow. And I, I just feel like that we need to um, talk about those that are dealing with some bitterness. I, I, she, she alluded to that. about Maybe you're just feeling this sense of like, let's just be real. You're, you're a little frustrated with God. I didn't even use the word angry because it sounds so harsh and you don't can't you you probably wrestle with how can I be you know saved and be angry but with God but there's sometimes in our life that we hit these seasons to where we're just frustrated with God you're frustrated because it didn't work out like you thought and some under the sound of my voice that you're dealing with this frustration that's been that's been lingering for years you, and you're trying to go back. You're trying to go back. If I could just go back to that season. If it would have just shifted then. If it would have been that person. Or if it would have been that opportunity. If it would have been that door. Man, my life would look so much different now. And you're, you're carrying this heaviness of frustration toward God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to have an altar call. It's going to look like this. I'm going to pray, I'm going to challenge you, and then you're going to come. And our ministers are going to be here, and we're going to pray for you. I told, I felt like the Lord just laid on my heart, and I told the team, every, every Sunday we're going to open up these altars this month, and we're going to deal with the silent nights. And we're going to deal with people that are feeling the heaviness of this season. 
And let me just tell you, you don't have to go through this season carrying this. You don't have to go through the season carrying this frustration where you look across your family. You're here, you're serving, you're doing the right thing. But you look across your family and you see you see those that are dealing with addiction and you see those that are dealing with uh, their identity. You're seeing those that are dealing with uh, d- depression and dealing with all kinds of things. And you're like, God, I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm doing everything I know to do. But it seems like I keep getting a no. Let me just say this. You are in the process. God is producing something in you. And I know you're frustrated, but I'm just here to just, just to prop your faith up, to know that God is producing something in you. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, I want you just to be honest with yourself. I want you to respond to the spirit of God that's got you, that's got you in your spirit right now, that you feel that, oh, I feel that. It's not my words. It's not even Sister Pam's testimony. It's the Spirit of God. And that's what's so awesome about the Spirit of God is that it just has a way of just in the most loving way, it'll, it'll just nudge you to, to let you know that's you. <laughs> that's you. And you need to take advantage of this moment. So if that's you, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come. Just say, excuse me, and you can just pardon me and you can slide through. And I want you to come and I want to pray with you because I don't want you to feel the, the sting of the no of God anymore. I don't want you to feel the sting of, of the disappointment. I don't want you to feel the sting. And for those that you feel like that you're just kind of stuck with the season of, of going, you know what, God, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm so frustrated because when can I get a yes? And you feel the wind of the door kind of just waving in front of you as another one shuts. I'm just here to tell you that God is going to just give you joy in the middle of this process, that he's producing something. And if you come down here, I want you just to, just to lift up your hands and I just want to pray for you. And I want us to pray for you. We have ministers here that have been trusted. They're anointed to do this. But I want you just to cry out to God. Father, I thank you right now for those that are dealing with some no's in their life. I speak to the spirit of frustration. God, there's some people that are a little irritated at you. And it's hard to say that because we feel like we're sinning if we say that. I understand that we shouldn't be angry at you. But they're just a little bit because sometimes, God, when we don't know your ways and we don't we can't see the end result, it can cause us frustration. But, Father, we we no longer point our finger to you and we point our finger to ourselves to say, God, you are producing something inside of me. Something that is going to be so great. This will, and I want to speak this to everybody here at the altar. This will make sense after all. This, after a while, this will make sense. This season that you're dealing with these, this heaviness of disappointment, we just declare it to be done right now. And Father, I also want to pray to the burden that people are carrying. They're carrying the burden of the no. And Father, I lay hands on them right now. And I thank you, Father. It's okay. Father, I... Thank you so much for joining us. I pray that this was a resource and a blessing to your life. Go to our webpage, polc.cc, to connect with us on all of the things that we're doing. And we want to stay connected to you because we believe God has some great things for you.